It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. It's not Tim Weisberg, it's Jack Spillane from the New Bedford Light, and um, I'm filling in for Tim today while he's uh, down in Gettysburg, I, having some uh, business and recreation um, uh, enjoyment. And I have now for, for this hour, my special guest, Carl Alves, the longtime executive director of PACA, who has just done yeoman's work forever with the people... Uh, sub- suffering from substance abuse disorders in this city. Uh, and Carl is here uh, at my request to talk to us about um, uh, placing people in jobs. Uh, there's a separate issue with housing, but I think mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll uh, concentrate on, sure. on jobs mostly today and the challenges um, that that faces. We do have a, a call on the lines who has just disappeared now, so that's good. So, Carl, t- tell us about... Um, the challenges that that people face when they have served time because they have a record related to their their drug abuse uh, and getting them back into um, positive uh, employment. Sure, um, thanks for having me, Jack. I, I think this is an, one of those issues that is challenging. I enjoyed your piece in the uh, light this morning, and I, I always want to start with. <laughs> I, I I think there is far more good that comes from it because the majority of people. Um, that are um, addressing their, you know, conditions and, um, you know, pursuing recovery, the vast majority of them uh, are great employees. Uh, as a matter of fact, in, in many cases, um, great employees, primarily because part of the process of recovery is about self-awareness, self-reflection, um, and monitoring, if you will, um, of that. And so folks that are working a good program that, uh, <clears throat> you know, are moving forward are oftentimes wonderful, wonderful employees. So I want to start with that mm. when we don't hear the mm. success stories mm. uh, because people want to move on with their yeah. lives too. And, and from what you see, you're talking about the, the vast majority of people do well. Yes, it, it, people, yes. People say that, oh, they fail, they get in trouble again, but that's not that's not the majority. The, you know, the, the uh, yes, the, the majority of people are doing well. As a matter of fact, if, you know, we had a, a medical cure or a medical treatment for something that was 80% successful, uh, we would be very, very happy with it. Well, I mean, I, I think it's been my experience um, that we're at that or maybe even a little bit more uh, in terms of positive experience with people that are... Um, are in recovery. Uh, the challenge is, is that when things go south, like the the, the cases that you uh, kind of highlighted in your piece, um, you know, we, we pay attention to that. And then we automatically paint with a broad brush, okay, that's everybody, uh, when it's actually not. Um, and, you know, people will say, employers will say, well, I don't even want to take that chance. Um, and I guess I'm here to say that it's worth taking that chance because you can get a spectacular employee. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, I've been fortunate to work with the um, Workforce Investment Board uh, on a project with a, a grant from the Department of Labor <clears throat> in uh, to help dislocated workers, uh, folks that have been impacted directly by the opioid crisis, uh, help them get back on track, help them... Um, 
become employable because whether you've been incarcerated or struggled with addiction, maybe you don't have a quarry, um, there is stigma, you know, and, and you understand it because you, you see the, the really significant challenges. Um, but again, I'm here to say that that is not the majority. Um, I'm also here to say that you, we, as employers, and you know, we employ you know 50 to 70 people through PACA, and you know, a good majority of those folks are, have lived experience of their own addiction, an addiction of a loved one. Uh, and you know, so you've got to put some uh, safeguards in place. Uh, understand that there is risk. Uh, risk of relapse, you know, some of those kinds of things. But the reward uh, are, are things like we've I've had great employees for decades, decades that have done great things helping other people. And part of this grant that we work with the Workforce Investment is is designed to help build and strengthen the uh, recovery industry. So there's a lot of need for folks because, I mean, addiction is impacting more and more people uh, across the board. And so we need, we have workforce issues just like any other industry has these days. Um, and so this grant was targeted to try to help people uh, on a pathway to kind of strengthen the industry. So we're helping people become recovery coaches, counselors, that kind of stuff, as well as some of the supportive services that go into running recovery-based programs such as culinary support or uh, administrative support or um, housekeeping, maintenance, those kinds of things. So, uh, again, trying to meet people where they're at, uh, understanding their needs and helping them along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, again, that 80% rule is, is held pretty fast with that. Yeah. Um, where, you know, we've had some really great success, people really wanting to kind of put, you know, address the condition and move forward. And um, it takes a little bit of time. Uh, it takes some patience. It's important to have some uh, guardrails in place, uh, such as random drug screening, that kind of stuff, because it holds everybody accountable. Um, and I think, you know, folks that are struggling with addiction want to come back. They need to understand that they have uh, responsibilities as well as rights uh, in this conversation. And so uh, I'm really glad to be able to talk about this today. When you um, try to place someone, do you talk directly with employers sometimes uh, that have concerns? Do they tell you what they're worried about? Usually what happens is an employer will call me after, the, you know, they have a problem. Yeah. Um, with, you know, oh, I've got somebody that's been with me for a long time and, you know, all of a sudden their behaviors have changed. I think they're on drugs, that kind of stuff. And we, we kind of do that after the fact. That's a lot of the interaction we have. But um, I, <clears throat> we do try to place people as well. So uh, folks that are uh, trying to get back into the workforce, um, a lot of times we'll hire them at PACA for what we call a get well job, if you will. Um, get them used to, you know, showing up to work, showing up to work in appropriate attire and, you know, you know, basic job skills and get back into the flow. And then they become more marketable and employable. And then uh, oftentimes employers will, will take them from there. But um, there are a lot of um, organizations, construction organizations, food service organizations, fishing boats, um, and, and, and recovery centers uh, that are hiring people with lived experience, you know, around addiction, mental health, those kinds of things. It is everywhere, and people yeah. struggle with it. And we, we need not uh, deny the fact that this happens. We need to acknowledge it, see things as they are, 
not just as we wish them to believe be uh, and 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 be open and honest with the conversation because it is that transparency and that conversation um, that will lead to better employment situations and a better overall experience for everybody. Yeah. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I tend to think of it as another illness, and so I think if you had an employee with diabetes or with um, heart disease or, or whatever, a cancer, you would not think twice about, okay, they, they need a week off here or, 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 or two weeks off he, there. But, you know, with addiction, there was this different stigma. I, I remember is, um, I have a friend, a good friend who has worked both in the um, journalism industry and the restaurant industry. And he said, well, well, in the news industry, I just worried about the reporters having nervous breakdowns. But in, in the restaurant industry, they, they, they overdose. Or they, <laughs> right, right. Or they go, and so there's just different problems, but, 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 but both, you know, illnesses. It, it, the current status of our economy is we are workforce short. Yeah, everybody's looking for help to kind of do this work. So now more than ever. Uh, it's important that we look at some of these marginal populations or folks that are not necessarily, you know, your, you go to first uh, and see what we can do to kind of strengthen them, lift them up so that they can support themselves. Because as you said in the, in the article, I mean, we're not locking people up for their life. Yeah. For you know the, everybody that's at the, the house of correction Actually, is getting you said without. That. I don't want to take credit. Yeah. For <laughs> well, I mean the you know at the house of correction are leaving within two years. Uh, so you know we're we're if we're not addressing um, uh, self sustaining you know supports and those kinds of things, helping people uh, reintegrate into the community, um, then we're just kind of creating. Uh, more challenges uh, an already taxed system uh, that coupled with folks that are, are migrating uh, into our community for lots of different reasons that is the new normal uh, we can deny that or we can you know not look at it um, but the fact is that this is going to continue to happen couple that with an aging population In the next 10 20 years our population is getting older and older. So that as people uh, are leaving uh, incarceration or are struggling with mental health and addiction, uh, the, the challenges are going to get uh, more significant. And we need to be able to stay ahead. We are the people that we're waiting for to solve these problems. Somebody's not going to come in and solve them. Um, and that's why I think having conversations like this are important uh, because everybody has a role. Yeah, I, I was just concerned that 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 when these two cases, the Whaling Museum and the city case, yes. became public, that the whole conversation had been framed as, well, they didn't do the quarry checks, or or did they do enough background thing? As as if who could possibly hire someone like this? And then it came out um, that Mark Champagne, the the, the very uh, hardworking good guy, uh, absolutely, uh, I've worked with him. He knew. That, that this person had this background and was convinced that he wanted to give them a chance. Now, whether he should have informed the mayor is another matter, but but, but I think that struck me as a good thing, that, that he wanted to give a chance. Whether this was the right job for him, I don't know. But, but, but so I, I think I just want to reframe it a little bit as to, okay, these people are out there and there are lots of them. Mm -hmm. we, need, we have a low unemployment rate. We need people to work. Why wouldn't you give them a chance? Uh, 
uh, Kyle, you mentioned to me the other day that there are certain industries that have that are known for doing a good job. Can you talk a, a little bit about them? Sure. I mean, uh, obviously, the recovery industry is is one of those uh, places. I mean, and literally hiring uh, hundreds and thousands of people um, to do that that work throughout this region. So that, you know, that's that's one of the things. And you know, we do quarry mitigation depending on the the level of the crime. Certain crimes will not. You know, you can't. Uh, be part of human services, but there are many crimes. Yeah. What does that mean, quarry mitigation? Well, I mean, understanding what's on a person's quarry. Okay. Uh, so certain, you know, such as arson and well, murder and those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be like, getting a job. A sex offender is not going to work with sex children. Offender. Right, exactly. Right. Or, you know, and, and it's very difficult. But that is a sector of the population that we need to kind of address, but that's yeah. a, probably another show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what we want to do is kind of work with people Understand their lived experience, understand their errors or bad choices, whatever the case, whatever traumas that they uh, acted out on uh, improperly, whatever. But um, understanding that and then guiding people with job training um, for roles that are very productive and could be life fulfilling uh, in different sectors. So it's really, I mean, I just, as I mentioned, it's important for employers not to think that everybody that in recovery is is a is a huge risk uh, and no reward i would say that it's a huge reward with some risk mm-hmm. um you know so but also folks that might be in the midst of coming back uh from addiction or might be in active addiction today there is hope because if we don't provide that kind of hope whether it's that person returning back to the community uh, from incarceration or somebody that's struggling with addiction that might have lost their job um, you know we need to find ways to help people make uh, become productive and self-sufficient um, because you know on one hand we we want to shun these people and not give them you know because we're angry right mm-hmm. as, you know as the regular society we're angry they dis you know they broke the laws they, they broke our trust uh, however, People don't just disappear. Um, they continue to need uh, to eat and, and be sheltered and that, those kinds of things. And if that's not available to them, they become more desperate, more likely to do the things that got them in trouble in the first place. So we need to break that cycle. Um, and uh, so that, that's that's kind of you know what we're doing. I think the folks that are most um, successful employers that are most successful with this um, will probably have a good drug-free um, workplace policy that uh, kind of might include random drug screening, uh, that sort of thing. Because, you know, although we want to be supportive of people with, with histories, uh, you know, trust but verify. And that drug screening is is a verification. When a drug screen comes back positive, there are options to kind of say, hey, listen, this came back positive. What's going on? What can we do to kind of change that? And, you know, the, there are options and ways to talk with people and that, that sort of thing. But again, it, it is the transparency on both sides that uh, lead to the best outcomes. When we can address that, address some of the challenges that people have in a real way, um, there is a trust, that, a new kind of trust that's built, uh, and then we're kind of in it together. That's not to say that that trust is never broken, uh, and, it, and it is, but it doesn't have to be rise to the level of, you know, what we see, saw in the cases that you described, um, and, you know, we can mitigate uh, accordingly. And, it, and it's tough because, I mean, the Whaling Museum is not really geared uh, – 
to be doing that. But perhaps, I mean, they're very progressive and very forward thinking. And, you know, they're an institution in our community. So, you know, perhaps they can build capacity in terms of being able to be, I mean, because every, every, and I mean every organization, for-profit, non-profit, uh, has these issues in it. Yeah. It might be under the surface. We're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back with Carl Alves, and maybe we'll take some callers when we return. Yeah. All right, we're back. This is Jack Spillane filling in for Tim Weisberg, who is um, on a couple of days off. And my guest uh, for this hour is Carl Alves, the longtime executive director of PACA. We've been talking about placing people who are in recovery into jobs, people who have served times and uh, the successes that, that those people often have and uh, the challenges that they sometimes encounter uh, uh, when they, when, when like the rest of us, they screw up. If mm. you want to call in and talk to Carl, you could talk to him about your own experience um, hiring someone or your own experience getting back into the workforce. The number is 508 508 Nine nine six zero five hundred. Kyle, before the break, we were talking about um, uh, industries that that um, have had. Right. Uh, uh, they tend to have a lot of people. The recovery industry itself, mm-hmm. because sure. people have that experience. Right. But there are others. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen you know uh, culinary yep. um, institutions, restaurants, that sort of thing, which which are great. Um, However, they're also risky places because for folks that might have an alcohol addiction, it can be challenging. But there are more and more people that are in recovery that are looking out for each other. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, uh, that's that construction industry. Uh, we, we've done studies uh, on the construction industry. And unfortunately, the high risk, uh, highly physical kinds of jobs like construction, like fishing, that kind of stuff, um, Oftentimes are at high risk for addiction, but they're also opportunity for um, folks in recovery to kind of band together, create supportive uh, teams, and be able to to do uh, really great things. So we've seen we've seen that um, a lot of uh, different um, you know places like UPS and Home Depot and a lot of they have um, some really good track records in working with. You know, folks that might uh, you know have uh, have histories and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, again, I, I I think we could point to every industry and kind of look at um, success stories with folks that have lived experience with this. Um, but uh, you know, we tend to gravitate to when the things go south. Is it harder to play someone in a more corporate type setting, like a um, uh, a uh, prominent business, like? Um well, the, the the city government or South Coast Health or, or you know some business that I mean you would think that they would have the resources to to provide good health care and a lot of support, but they also might be risk averse. Uh, 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 well, that's very true. Is, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that is the challenge. And you know, not every job and every position is going to work out well for this. And you know, it's, some of it requires some persuasion because it's that one percent. That ruined it for the rest. Um, But, you know, I know South Coast Health uh, does a great job in terms of, um, you know, creating a supportive environment for because, you know, especially in the health profession. I mean, one of my close friends, Jake Nichols, who's a pharmacist, also had an addiction to uh, prescriptions. Uh, And he talks about his story. He's got a book out. And, you know. 
difficult you, business to be in. It is because you you know all the science behind it. You know you have access all of those kinds of things. So it is it is a bit of a challenge. But now he works with companies to try to help create. Um, you know, better recognition so that, you know, we can catch when things go south quicker. Um, and also, uh, you know, bringing on people, creating systems of support within uh, employment situations because you know, things do happen. Um, and I, I think, you know, with the labor shortage that we have now, I think businesses, corporate, corporations, small organizations are dedicating more time to their... Um, you know, the, the satisfaction and the care of their employees. And I think we need to do more of that. Okay. We had to take a break for the sure. half hour news and then we're going to come back and I want to talk about some other things that are going on at PACA. All right. India is trying to become just the fourth country to execute a controlled landing on the moon. Launching a rocket overnight from a site off the country's east coast, only three other countries have achieved the complicated feat of a soft landing a spacecraft on the moon's surface, those being the United States, Russia, and China. It's India's second attempt after its previous effort failed in 2019. SpaceX is scrubbing its latest Starlink launch. The private space company was all set to launch another batch of Starlink satellites into low Earth orbit overnight from Cape Canaveral. The launch of the Falcon 9 rocket was scrubbed, however, just 40 seconds before liftoff. SpaceX did not give a reason for the postponement. The next launch window will be early Saturday. Monday is the last chance for taxpayers to claim a tax refund from 2019. The IRS says nearly $1.5 billion in refunds remain unclaimed from the year before the pandemic, and about 1.5 million taxpayers may still be eligible for a refund. There's still a three-year window to claim tax refunds, but in 2020, tax day was delayed three months because of the pandemic. So this year, the three-year deadline falls on July 17th. The IRS says the 2019 return must be filed on paper and postmarked by Monday. Special Counsel Jack Smith is pushing back on former President Donald Trump's request to delay his trial over alleged mishandling of classified documents. Smith told a federal judge Thursday that there's no basis in law or fact to postpone the trial until after the 2024 election. He also urged the court to proceed with the jury selection in December. The Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue shooter is eligible for the death penalty. A grand jury decided Robert Bowers can be sentenced to death after deliberations. Bowers was um, convicted last month of killing 11 people in the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history in 2018. The government wants the death penalty for Bowers, and now the jury will hear evidence to decide if Bowers will be sentenced to death or life in prison. Bowers allegedly told investigators after being arrested that he wanted to murder Jewish people. President Biden says Vladimir Putin has already lost his war in Ukraine. While speaking alongside his counterpart in Finland, Biden said he doesn't believe the Russian president could maintain the war for years and will eventually decide it's not in Russia's best interest. He added that Ukraine will join NATO once the war comes to an end. The president in Helsinki today met with Nordic leaders, including the heads of Finland, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, and Denmark. And it's a patriotic day in France. Brie Tennis explains. 
Today is Bastille Day. It's France's National Day, celebrating the anniversary of the people of Paris storming the Bastille, a political prison, back in 1789. The French celebrate their independence just like we do. There'll be fireworks and lots of red, white, and blue, the colors of their flag. Except the hot dog and beer will be swapped out for a baguette and a bottle of wine. In addition to Bastille Day, it's National Grand Marnier Day, also French. I'm Bree Tennis, NBC News Radio. In sports, the Red Sox will be playing against the Chicago Cubs tonight at 8.05 p.m. The game will be played at Wrigley Field. And now, here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. Expect rain and thunderstorms to be moving through the area today. We're going to catch these in waves, so we could see some heavy downpours at times. But in between these waves, we'll catch some sunshine, too. So as we head through the day, we'll see a high of about 81 degrees. Tonight, we're turning cloudy with a few spot showers here and there, low of 73. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 72 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Anna Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Thanks, Adam. This is Jack Spillane filling in for Tim Weisberg. I, I play you a music bumper, except that um, I still have not quite learned how to do that. <laughs> so um, Maybe you could sing a couple. Yeah, uh, no, you would not want me to no, sing okay. a couple of, right. of, of bars. I'm here with Carl Alves, the um, executive director of Packer, and we've been talking about placing people um, in the um, workforce who have substance abuse problems. Uh, and if you'd like to call and talk to Carl, feel free to call at 508-996-0500. Um, Carl, why don't we switch gears a little bit and talk um, about what's going on at Parker lately, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had a, all this publicity about the resurgence of the opioid epidemic during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and um, but now it's going kind of quiet. So, what's going on right now? So, you know, unfortunately, that pan- that epidemic uh, pandemic uh, was still raging throughout the the, the pandemic. Um, the t- challenge was is that we were focused on other things rightfully so kinds of uh, you know covid issues uh but the numbers continue to rise and we're seeing a couple of trends now that are very alarming that are um things that everybody needs to kind of be aware of um one is the drug supply is changing uh, again uh back in the 2011s 2012s we saw a switch from um heroin a more organic approach to fentanyl, which is all synthetic, doesn't have a growing season. It's made with all chemicals, um, and it was e- easier to produce, and the profit margins were higher. So we saw and this more, da- uh, more dangerous, so. more da- obviously, mm-hmm. uh, clearly more dangerous, stronger, all that sort of thing. Um, and so we've seen that kind of um, skyrocket, as everybody's kind of seen. Um, what we're seeing now, the change is twofold. One is it's coming in pill forms. So people that, and, and counterfeit pills that look very similar to prescription pills, uh, you know, something that might look like a Percocet um, that, you know, one would take and be prescribed by a doctor, you can buy on the street. And so you don't know exactly what you're, you're taking. And what we're finding is that it is, you know, all fentanyl. We don't have a heroin problem anymore. We have a fentanyl problem. Um, and then the fentanyl, so it's, it's coming in pill form and it's not only opioids, it's now including stimulants. So there, the cartels are are preparing these drugs in a pill format. Um, and some are, 
opiates that contain the fentanyl, and some are, um, um, you know, amphetamines or that, like meth uh, and that sort of thing, and they're kind of uh, packaged like Adderall. So I, I'm this, really... Is in Mexico it's being made? Uh, I believe, you know, yeah. it's Central America, yeah. you know, uh, that whole kind of pipeline, yep. but it's, it's coming into New England uh, in pill form. Uh, which is is difficult. We're also seeing uh, more meth uh, in and around this area, but the pill form of meth uh, is uh, really kind of taking. So I, I'm really concerned about young people who might be experimenting or say, "Oh, this is a pill," thinking it's safer in some way than injecting, you know, a substance. Uh, but the fact is that we're seeing people uh, die. Um, another trend that we're also seeing is part of the fentanyl. Uh, is being mixed with a, a substance called xylazine, uh, which is an animal tranquilizer. And it's actually killing people more. And, it, it, you know, for somebody that's not in the mix of this, it sounds pretty counterintuitive. Why would you be giving stuff to people that would kill them? It doesn't make business sense. Uh, but the, the fact that xylazine... It is not an opioid, uh, but it is a tranquilizer. It is a uh, drug that will um, intensify the feelings or the, the, the effects of the fentanyl. So the high is more intense, and that is the draw for people. Um, but it also is not reversed by Narcan. So all the work that we've done over the last 10 years Jeepers. to try to improve Narcan is not working against this. So it might have some fentanyl. In it, so we always tell people try the Narcan, uh, you know, try that to work. But we're seeing an increase in the amount of xylazine that's mixed into and creating a new analog of this drug, um, which is resistant to Narcan. Um, and unfortunately, we're seeing increases in fatal uh, overdoses nationally uh, as a, as a result of yeah. this. I, I actually have a good friend who who overdosed this spring, and mm-hmm. I know it was from a pill. Yeah, and. Um, and from what from people who are in that world, you know, right. which I'm not, uh, uh, tell me is that that you don't know what you're getting. That's and, right. And why you would take something when you don't know what you're getting is beyond me. But 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 um, people, yeah. People well, do. I mean, there's a lot of questions on a lot of this stuff. And uh, again, we don't want to just see things as we wish them to be. We want to see things as they are. And yep. We're looking at the data. We're looking at we're monitoring. We're working with police. Uh, DEA, as well as treatment providers and, and, and outreach workers and that sort of thing, try to get the word out um, that, you know, uh, the drug supply is tainted and that it can be felt, uh, fatal. Some of the street-level dealers that aren't dealing in the pills, um, you know, all it takes is a speck, a speck of fentanyl uh, to get mixed in with, you know, marijuana, uh, you know, to create you know, ne- these negative fatal outcomes uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, the, the, you know, illicit marijuana not sold in, dis- you know, uh, dispensaries and that kind of stuff or controlled situations. We've also seen that being tainted as well as cocaine. Um, so, you know, it really is uh, a very dangerous time in terms of uh, illicit drug use. Yeah. More so than usual. It's funny how every time... You think, okay, so now we're dealing with this, and we come up with a, a way of combating that. It, they go on to something else. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, you know, is that by purpose? Or well, I, I do believe that it is partly yeah. by design. I mean, yeah. there are some very, very smart people uh, who are 
uh, very evil or doing evil things. And, uh, and that is, you know, all for, for profit. Uh, and that is part of the, that's, it's a significant challenge. And it's unfortunate because we're losing a lot of young people, um, you know, along the way as a result. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take another commercial break. We have a call on the line. And, and when we come back, uh, uh, they'll be able to talk to Carl sure. Alves uh, uh, about what's going on. Okay, we're back. This is Jack Spillane filling in for Tim Weisberg in the final segment with uh, Carl Alves of PACA. And Carl, the phone lines have just lit up, so everybody wants to talk to you. All right. So we're going to go right to them. You're on the air with Carl Alves. Hi, uh, Jack. It's Catherine. Hi, How Catherine. Are you? Um, just a quick announcement about today's uh, petition drive, but then I want to comment about this current topic, if I may. Okay. Um, the petition signing for um, term limits for city councilors today will be at Trukey's from 2 to 6, and this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, from 9 to 3. So if, uh, that's, you know, what I wanted to announce about that. Okay. Um, Go up to Trukey's if you want to, to sign the petition. Both. Oh, it's a petition to limit the number of times that... Oh, no, uh, I, I know what it is. I, I said go up to Trukey's if you want to sign. Yes. Yeah. Right, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Maybe I haven't had enough coffee yet. Sorry. <laughs> I definitely have not. Uh, um, and I, I wanted to um, say that, you know, thank you for both for talking about this. Obviously, it's a very important. It's not, those words aren't adequate topic for it. Um, I did want to say that I read your article, Jack, this morning. Uh, good article. Um, I think you know, that people may not, who have beat addictions, and maybe you've already said this, uh, may not want to talk about it publicly because they'll maybe afraid of being judged. So mm -hmm. um, as I saw a comment that someone made in relation to your article, you know, why don't we often hear success stories too? Well, you know, people aren't going to talk about it as much if they've been successful, I think. Uh, not a fault of yours. Uh, so, anyway, that's all I wanted I, to I think that. you're spot on with your comment. I think that's uh, part of the challenge. People want to move on. And people yeah. are afraid of this stigma. It's not a badge of uh, merit. It is, yeah. you know, a scar. And, and, and a lot of people don't want to do that. But some will. And I think uh, some yeah. some good work is hopefully going to yeah. be coming out on that. And, and, and now that well, your life is stable, why expose yourself to people who might be prejudiced? Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Thanks, yeah. thanks um, Catherine. Okay, thanks. Okay. Bye. Okay. We have another call for, for Carl Alves. You're next on the air. Good morning, gentlemen. Carl, thank you for your over three decades of commitment to recovery in our Greater New Bedford area. And thank you um, for yours. You, you've seen my struggles and all that, and, and I've been listening, went around running my errands, and that's why I waited a little bit to get some input. It's also employers have to just really open up their minds, humble themselves, and go and find out from addiction specialists or the signs to look out for. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not as simple as someone's parent passes away and two days later they pick up. Right. If the person has a history, you need to understand the awarenesses to look for for other patterns. And it is also helping in the process for everybody on both sides. And it's not judging the person. It's not putting an X mark on their forehead. It's just about common sense. 
Kai, you do some education about people who may not know as much as you guys about what to look for. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, and it's a conversation. Thank, uh, thank you for that uh, because I think I'll let you go. So you can get somebody else in. I appreciate it, Phil. Um, the um, you know the, the the fact is is that there are no absolutes in this, um, and but it is about an ongoing strategy of caring for your employees who are people with real issues. Um, and I found that the more that you can address their needs, whether it's around, you know, substance use disorder or mental health or, or just the loss of, uh, family or, you know, the difficult times that people are going through, the more compassion we can provide as employers to our employees, um, you know, the, the better the outcomes. And so, uh, again, understanding that and I'm available if folks have questions, I'm happy to kind of speak with them in terms of their their uh, policies, if they're interested in hiring uh, people or explore that, maybe uh, we'd love to talk to you because we're always trying to place people into businesses. Um, so, you know, again, it's a uh, it's very p- good yeah. thing to do. One of the things um, in talking with people from the city about this, you know, poor gentleman who had the problems was that no one was talking about what his background. It was like no one wanted to talk about the issues he had. And so... He was essentially out there all by himself, and I'm not justifying right. what he did, but I'm just saying it's a fact. that, that yeah. it's just everyone knows and no one's talking about it. And, and you know, sometimes when that conversation and that transparency um, can also be a deterrent to bad behavior. You know, if you really feel like you're, you know, part of a team and that you're going to let somebody down, that's one way. Uh, if you really know that people are paying attention to you and what you're doing. Um, that that could be the yeah. deterrent to stop someone. Yeah. So it, it's that ongoing communication is that, you know, being honest, hey, this is the fact. Yep. It doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. But, we, you know, but we've got responsibility, yeah. public trust, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and people talking about it doesn't mean they're trying to give someone a hard time. That, that, right, you know, right. But, but, but that, and, and creating that environment where those conversations have, that's the art of uh, doing this work. So that, you know, hey, I'm not blaming you. I'm not, I, the, here, is, here are the facts. And that's where the roles and responsibilities on both sides. So people that have the affliction need to be able to be uh, open and transparent about that. But they need to feel the trust that their employer is not going to use that information against them. Okay. Um, and that makes for a healthier okay. environment. I have one more break to take or else I'm going to be in trouble. And then we'll be back for a few minutes at the end of the hour. All right, we're back. This is Jack Spillane sitting in for Tim Weisberg, and Carl Alves has been gracious enough to be my guest for the full hour. We have one more caller, and we have three minutes left, so let's go right to that caller. You're on the air with Carl Alves. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going. I just want to say I'm going to wrap up the program here. Uh, I was fortunate enough for 21 years to run a life skills culinary program through the sheriff's department. Uh, It started out as I was inspired uh, at the time, because I saw the success of a program in another state of taking inmates, and I worked with some very talented people who mm-hmm. earned those skills in a prison program, and I was very interested. Over the years, that program expanded into the women's program, where we not only taught culinary skills so they could cook at home, but it also gave them the basic skills so they could get jobs in restaurants, and then that expanded into resume writing, interview skills, everything like that. Uh, it ended, unfortunately, due to COVID. COVID wiped out that in-house program. But the wrapping it up, the program with the, the idea of the, the 
the diner. The diner was donated by Phil and Celeste to continue that type of program where we could take and give these people hands-on experience and put them in a situation where they're going to be faced once they got out. And that was facing the reality of the drugs, alcohol all around there. I presently work for a company. It's very difficult to get a person with things on their quarry, which I know won't affect their job performance, but it does affect their hiring process. It's a battle. Uh, I want to congratulate you and what your program has done over the years. Uh, you've done amazing work with people, and it's a never-ending job. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of failures, but the successes stand out. That's and, it. Uh, and uh, thank you for your service. And uh, hopefully, oh, oh, oh. even though you're retired uh, from the, the jails, perhaps, we're always looking for good uh, board members and that sort of thing. So you look well, us up. that's something I would consider. It was always very rewarding. And to this day, I still bump into people who stop me and say, you know, uh, I took your program and uh, it changed my life. Yeah, that, and, and that's, that's, that's what we need more of. Kudos. In, in, in just about 30 seconds, Phil, uh, it, that, this issue came up earlier. Is there enough programming, both, both post-release 